And here we are today in Pine View, Georgia, so south central Georgia. We're standing in a peanut field that we're looking at some trials with some foliar fertility products. And so with peanuts here, we have a base rate of fertility down with chicken litter. But since peanuts respond very well to foliar applications and nutrients, we're looking to see which products may help us to get to our next yield level and maybe solve some of the issues with a, a yield plateau that we have here. So Molly, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the different nutrients that we're looking at here with this trial and maybe some products that we're looking at to, uh, to fix some issues in our field? Sure. So last year you and I talked and some tissue samples and things had showed us that peanuts kind of reached a plateau on potassium in the tissues and then it just drastically dropped off. And so we had a discussion on how can we keep those potassium levels up in the tissues. And so we decided that Capitalize would be a really good product to try in a foliar situation. So Capitalize is a potassium source and it also has sulfur and some calcium in it too, which we know is something that peanuts really respond well to and that they need. So that's the first piece that we put in. And then the second part that we decided to go with was our Liberate Calcium, which is a liquid calcium. And we know that peanuts need calcium because what happens when we do everything right and we get to the end of the season and we have popped pods? We don't want that and calcium is responsible for preventing that from happening. So that's the first part of the lab that we did was we chose to do those two products with your fungicide applications because we know fungicide, um, not only is it necessary in peanuts, but it also acts as a stimulant as well. So it's going to help carry those through the plant. And then we went a step further, did those same two products, and then we added in our Fertarain product, which has a kind of a basic MPK package and then some micros just to kind of push those peanuts past that plateau that you said that we're getting. So pretty much a broad spectrum approach. So we're we're salt, we're working towards fixing a number of issues that we're seeing. Like you mentioned, potassium is something that's really important for peanuts as well as soybeans to help boost the yields. And then the calcium, and not just with uh, getting it there into the pods, but also a lot of nutrients go into the plant with calcium. So mm -hmm. being able to provide that. And one thing, uh, one thing that's interesting about the agroliquid products is the reason why we we like to use them is they are a sulfate-based mm -hmm. micronutrient package. So when we think of even with the biologicals, whether we're mixing something in the tank or even, of course, by extension, what we have in the soil, these sulfate sources are actually food mm -hmm. for the biology. So what what would that set it apart from maybe other products in the industry as the reason why agroliquid is choosing that sulfate route? So just like you said, it's a, it's also a food source for some of the soil microbes and biology in the plant. But the what we have is called a flavanol polymer technology. So it's actually a plant-derived molecule. And we use that because when we put it on the plant, whether it's in the soil or on the leaf surface, the plant recognizes that flavonoid. And when it recognizes something, it's going to be a lot more easy for that plant to take it up and it's not going to fight it and it's not going to have to convert it. So, you know, sulfate forms are the most plant usable forms of any nutrient that we have. So that's fact number one. Fact number two, when we marry that with that plant derived flavonoid, then we're taking both of those things and being able to get them into the plant, get it stimulated. And it's not fighting the plant's natural resources and uh, systemic processes. It's working with it. And just like the calcium product, you and I know and Matt and I know is calcium is really hard to move from the top down in a plant. 
also the other reason we decided to marry it with potassium is potassium regulates the opening and closing of stomata. And it also regulates water movement in a plant, right? So if we put this with the calcium, not only are we opening up the stomata to stimulate the plant to be receiving the calcium, we're also using it to marry it with the water and the movement through the plant to take the calcium from the top down and back up where we need it to go. So that's a big benefit of agroliquid products. Um, probably the third and most convenient part of the technology that agroliquid has is, you know, and you know, calcium doesn't always play well in a tank, correct? Calcium can be a nightmare to mix because it's a natural antagonist. So with the flavanol polymer technology, it actually encapsulates that calcium and protects it from tying up with everything else in your tank. So herbicides aren't affected. Um, fungicides, nitrogen, phosphorus is a big one. And so that's another big benefit to that. And that's the reason why at AgroLiquid we try to play on different needs. But we have a fit for everything. Like I said, whether it's under the plant or on top of it, we do our best to get it in, get the nutrient utilized. And it's pretty cool how you're talking about, you know, about the calcium because we do know it's so hard to get in a plant. I mean, Molly and I were talking about this prior to the video. You know, a tissue sample in a cotton plant's never going to have enough calcium in it. And so you're being, you're taking the potassium and opening the door. Mm -hmm. You know, you got the sulfur there too to be able to allow that, that calcium to go in the plant. Correct. And one of the next steps that you can take is um, if you have any sort of fulvic or humic in your lineup, if you think about it, humic builds the railways for the nutrients to move on. Humic acts as the train on the railway. So if you're having an issue, like you say, getting calcium in your tissues and getting it to move, not only can you marry it with what we talked about, but you can also mix it with a humic or a fulvic source to actually help really get that in the plant and get it moving. Also, another food source for your microbes and energy for your plant. There really is no downside. Yeah, right. And with the base fertility being litter, because we put out tons and tons of litter, you know, you still fall short of some of the microbes. Exactly. And with your products being sulfur-based, mm -hmm. you know, we don't get it out of the air anymore, not near like we did right. before. So it's really important, especially on, like, old, you know, corn or cotton, we can put ammonia sulfate or we can add 28005 and we can get that, you know, in there. But when you're doing a product that's a lagoon when you're not putting out nitrogen, then you start lacking on sulfur. Mm -hmm. So anything you can do, give us more sulfur. I mean, we're always needing sulfur in a lagoon because we don't get it through right. nitrogen, you know, our types of nitrogen. And, and we, most growers do apply gypsum on mm -hmm. peanuts, so we're getting a fair amount of sulfur with that as well as calcium. But what we're seeing now is we're backing off on our gypsum rates, and actually this field this year actually won't get any gypsum well, applied okay. to it. So, that's why I had a conversation with the grower. Hey, we're going to be pulling back the gypsum on this field, so we need to make sure we have enough sulfur to carry these plants through till harvest. So that's what we're looking for, you know, how much sulfur are we getting out of the litter? How much can we get from this and that? As well as these uh, micronutrient products that are packaged here with the sulfur already therein. Well, and you have to think, too, if you look at what we're standing on, we're standing in sand. And so sand has very low CEC, has a very low holding capacity. So you can put down as much sulfur as you want to put down, but if you look behind us, there's pivots everywhere. And so if we're irrigating these peanuts, unless we really have a plant usable form of sulfur and we put it where we need it, are we willing to take the risk that by either rainfall or watering that all that sulfur that we applied up front is even still going to be there? So, it is. And so that's why we try to come in and with sulfate forms of products and even some liquid sulfurs over the top, 
we've got to feed to compensate for what possibly could have been lost. Right. And that's, I think that kind of ties back into the conversation we were having with our tissue levels is early season, like where we're at right now. Yeah, we're going to be good. We're going to be looking like experts when we get our tissue sample reports back. But then when it comes time for these plants to start putting on our yield, filling out these pods, making our money for us, we're seeing things drop off. Mm -hmm. So it's not what we're doing to get the plant started off right. It's also what we're doing to finish out strong. Mm -hmm. And I think that also ties back in with just these routine applications. Mm -hmm. We're already going across the field. We don't have to buy more applications to work in some of these products, but we're just making the most of the trips that we're already making and, and covering our bases with a season-long approach, spoon-feeding these fertility products throughout the, uh, the pod fill stages when it's most important. You're right. So, you know, the old adage is let's put a lot of our fertility down up front. And, you know, sometimes that works, but you have to ask the question is, is what you were doing in the past getting you where you want to be today? And nine times out of the 10, the question, the answer is no, right? And so if we're running into that, this is where I've always been a huge proponent of a spoon feed and a foliar feed approach is you can do a lot of things up front and you can get that plant really healthy and you can get it off to like a fantastic start. But eventually it's going to run out and it's going to peter out and run out of energy. It's going to run out of nutrients. And if we don't come in and do our job by supplementing it mid-season through the late season, not only are we losing yield, now we're just trying to maintain what we have. And is what we have lining up with what our goal was in the beginning? 100% not. And so peanuts, like you said, we have so many opportunities because you have to put fungicide on cotton we have so many opportunities we go over cotton what every 10 12 days it's just it's the nature of the beast corn we don't really have as much opportunities now you know you have the drone technology where we can get over corn a lot better now with drones instead of using highboys or airplanes um and same with soybeans you know we can do a lot more on soybeans now so application opportunities have opened the door but i still am a big proponent of like what you said we've got to feed it throughout and not just dump everything at one time that practice doesn't work anymore. exactly and then also we think about uh, right here this is a nice irrigated environment but we've got plenty of dry corners we got plenty of dry land fields mm -hmm. things where moisture is not as readily available during certain parts of the growing seasons we'd like and we think of the nutrients the plant can sense that it needs a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that but since it has to pull up those nutrients with water is going to start pulling up more water in search of the nutrient that it's hungry for. Yep. Well, if we can apply the nutrients over the top and get it into the plant, we can prevent that plant from becoming a water waster, and we can be more efficient with resources that we might not be able to go and put out, aka water, in our dry land and dry environment. So by making sure that we approach fertility with a uh, a balanced approach we could say mm -hmm. and we're making sure the, that the plant never goes hungry therefore the plant doesn't go thirsty nearly as quickly because it's not pulling up water that it doesn't need to pull up right to add to that point yeah we don't want it wasting water but we also don't want the plant expending energy and if it's expending energy to go out and find these nutrients that aren't readily available that we have put on in a foliar sense or even a fertigation sense you know, if it's having to expend energy to go out and search those nutrients out, that's energy that it was needing internally to actually build yield and make a really good year-end 
carbon. And so we don't want that to happen. We want everything right close to the plant when it needs it, building it up internally. And so we're looking at pod fill, you know, cotton bowls. We're looking at uh, corn. It, it, it translates across every crop. Right. And that's why foliar feeding and the water sense that you're talking about is just so important. Right. Yeah. Making sure that the resources that the plant has with energy, they go to things that are going to make us money, that it's not uh -huh. having to expend itself. I think right. that's a really good point yeah. that that helps to see that what we're here looking at in the field is not just one application of a product to do one thing. It's definitely a systems approach to make sure that we apply the plant's uh, balanced and ample fertility. So we've got some trials out here. We're going to be looking at peanuts, some of these products that are we could call them icing on the cake, but as we look at some of these higher yield environments, mm -hmm. a lot of these conversations that we're talking about, it may not have mattered when our yield goals were half and two-thirds what we're looking at mm -hmm. today. So something to see, what can we do to push the envelope? What can we do to fix our yield limiting factors? So appreciate y'all being out here and joining us and talking a little bit about crop fertility. Good to Thank you. Thank you.